You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Musser Masterclass. It is an honor and a privilege to be here. My name is Rabbi Arya Wolby. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Houston is a frigid 38 degrees. And I, I'll keep on saying that because anytime it's less than 70 degrees, it's frigid here. So, and all of you courageous friends are here tonight to learn Torah together. The topic tonight, the Mida, the trait that we will be discussing, and we've been talking about negative traits. We talk, talked about anger. We talked about arrogance. We talked about stubbornness. And tonight we're going to talk about one of the most important traits, like every trait we talk about, the trait of jealousy, envy. Jealousy and envy. We'll start with a verse in the Torah. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 14. Torah tells us, and this is in the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. We'll go to the Big Ten. Lo sachmod beis reyecha. You shall not covet your fellow's house. What does that mean? Commentaries explain what does that mean. It means that you shall not desire something that your friend owns. That means if you see a friend who has a really nice watch, a really nice car, a really nice house, a really nice briefcase, whatever it is, you're not allowed to desire it and want it so that it be yours. Want to see something really special? Listen to what the Talmud says. The Talmud says, there are various reasons why we read the Ten Commandments Every day. In fact, what do we say in the Shema? There are people who say the Ten Commandments every day after their prayers. But in the Shema, what do we say? We say this at least twice a day. We say, Lo sachmod beis What does that mean? Do not covet your neighbor's house, your friend's house. It says, Uchsavtam al mezuzos beisecha. And you shall write the mezuzah on the doorposts of your house. Beisecha velo beis reecha. Your house, but not your friend's house. What is that telling you? The Talmud is telling us that it is critically important for us to be very, very, very careful not to desire something that's not ours. Let's look at the Mishnah. The Mishnah in Ethics of Our Father says, Hakina hatava ve'akavod motzina sa'adam in olam. The jealousy, the urges, the uncontrolled urges, and the kavod, and the desire for honor, remove a person from this world. You want to know someone who has an untimely death? Someone who is jealous. Someone who can't control their urges, their desires, and someone who who is always desiring honor. The first of those is the one we're talking about tonight. Jealous. Jealous. I want something that someone else has. You know what King Solomon says in Proverbs? Rekev atzamot kinah. Envy brings the rotting of the bones. It destroys a person. You know when people like have real jealousy? Like their insides are turning over. They want to, that's exactly what King Solomon says. You're turning your bones into rotten bones. They're going to rot. And we also see some spectacular stories in our Torah that teach us a lesson or two about the negative of jealousy. Now, there's a reason why I'm saying the negative of jealousy, because not all jealousy is negative. And we'll see that there's also a positive. There's a positive jealousy that the Talmud tells us is a very good jealousy to have. 
But who do we see the first example of the first people born to Adam and Eve? Cain and Abel. What happened? Why did Cain kill, kill Abel? Because he was jealous. He was jealous. We see also the example of Esau and his brother Yaakov. He was jealous of his brother Yaakov. Who else was jealous? The tribes were jealous of Joseph. It's interesting that their jealousy limited them from being the leader of the brothers. Joseph was the leader of the brothers. They were jealous. That limited them. When you're jealous, you're not allowing yourself to be elevated. You're not allowing yourself, you're, you're, you're limiting yourself. In Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 1, it says the following. Kasha kishaol kina. Jealousy is as cruel as a grave. Oh, it's pretty serious. We see jealousy is not a good thing. Rambam writes, jealousy brings a man to an untimely end. He brings, he talks a lot about it. But you know what's even more important? We pray not to be jealous every single day. Every single day in our prayers, we pray, Hashem, please remove jealousy from our hearts. Remove jealousy from our lives. Why? Because it's inevitable that we're going to see something that belongs to someone else. Yeah, we're going to see that watch. We're going to see that bracelet. We're going to see those earrings. We're going to see that necklace. We're going to see those clothes. We're going to see the family, the children, the house, the car of someone else. And inevitably, we're going to want something that someone else has, which is a biblical prohibition like we mentioned. We ask Hashem, please don't put us into a place of niseon, of test, where we will fall to be jealous, to this trap of jealousy. We don't want to fall into the trap of jealousy. That's how tragic jealousy is. It's dangerous. And our sages warn us Time And again, we're going to see soon, we're going to learn together a piece of Ramchal that discusses jealousy. So we pray not to be jealous. In the morning blessings, when we ask, don't bring us to a place of Nisayon. Don't bring us to a place of challenge. In that prayer, we're asking, What challenge? The real challenge of jealousy. Not to be jealous of what someone else has. So before we find the solution to jealousy, I want to just talk a little bit about the positive of jealousy. What's the positive of jealousy? The positive of jealousy, our sages tell us, is kinas sofrim tarbe chachma that the jealousy of scholars will increase wisdom. Meaning, you know, typically we have antitrust laws. We have laws of you can't open up a uh, supermarket right across the street from another supermarket if there isn't enough clientele for both. There's some laws. I don't know exactly the details. So, uh, But there are laws against, at least in the Torah, it's called hasagas gvul. You can't open up a store right across from your competitor. I go down the block, so you have different clientele. There's other, there's other solutions. But you know when you can compete? When it comes to spiritual matters. You can open up a shul right next door. You can open up a school right next door. You know why? Because that competition, that jealousy, will only make each of them increase the quality of their education They'll increase the quality of their service that they're providing their clientele. And what's going to happen? Who's going to benefit? God's going to benefit. That kind of jealousy, go right ahead. You're jealous of another 
organization who's competing with you, you'll provide better programming now. You'll provide better education. You'll be more creative. You'll be more innovative to outdo them. Who benefits from that? God benefits from that. And we see a very good example of good jealousy. And that is Rachel was jealous of her sister Leah, that she had children. You know what our sages tell us? Not in a low way. Not in a small, menial way of like, oh, just little kids, I'm jealous and I want that toy. She realized that her sister's more righteous than her. And that's why her sister was given children. She wasn't jealous that she didn't have children. She was The way we read it from the verse, that's what it seems. And she was jealous that she didn't have children. No. It was, she was jealous as our, our, our commentaries, Rashi and the others. She was jealous that she wasn't as righteous as her sister. Because her sister was given children because she was more righteous. What do we see from this? We see from this a very important fundamental principle. And that is a verse that we recite frequently every single day. We recite a very special verse. And that is, Poteach et yadecha. God opens up his hand, Umasbiya lechol chai ratzon, and gives, satiates each one according to their wishes. Our sages tell us something so important here. That is, God gives each individual what they need. Do you know why you don't have what they have? Because God thought you don't need it. Now, you being jealous, you know what that does? You're basically saying, God doesn't know what he's doing. I should have had that. I should have merited to that gift, whatever that was, the watch, the clothes, the house, the car, whatever it is. By me being jealous, I'm saying God doesn't know what I really need. And that's someone being jealous, a very, very tragic thing. I want to learn with you a little piece from Ramchal in the incredible book of Mesilat Yesharim. This is chapter 11, not the bankruptcy chapter 11, but in the book of Mesilat Yesharim, chapter 11, it's a very big chapter. I think it's the longest chapter in Mesilat Yesharim because he goes through various traits and works through them. And one of those traits that he talks about that a person has to clean himself from. By the way, this chapter is called the chapter of cleanliness, meaning we have to clean ourselves and rid ourselves of this negative trait of jealousy, of envy. So here we go. I'll read it in Hebrew and in English. Envy is also nothing but ignorance and foolishness. Since the envious one does not gain anything for himself. When you're jealous, you're not getting anything from it. Nor does he harm the one he envies. So if a person is envious of someone, the person who you are envying doesn't lose anything. His only accomplishment, the person who's jealous, is that he harms himself. As it is stated in the end of the verse that I just mentioned, which is in Job chapter 5, verse 2, the envy slays the gullible. The most foolish form of envy is described by the Mesilla Sisharm. And that is, All envy is foolish. However, there exists someone whose foolishness is so great that if he sees his fellow enjoying some good fortune, he becomes distraught. And he frets and agonizes. 
to the point that even the good fortunes that he enjoys affords him no pleasure. He takes no more pleasure out of what he does have because he's so busy with that envy of what someone else has that he doesn't allow himself to enjoy what he has. Due to the agony that he experiences as a result of what he sees with his fellow's possessions. So by the fact that a person looks at someone else, desires what they want, what they have, he desires what they have, he's taking away from himself. He's hurting himself. And this is what King Solomon said, and envy brings rotting of the bones. And we mentioned this verse previously. The less foolish but more common form of envy However, there are others who, although they do not agonize and experience distress as much as the first type, they don't, it doesn't eat them up. So they will still be able to derive pleasure from their own good fortune. Nevertheless, they will still feel some distress within themselves, or, at the very least, their mood is dampened. When they see someone else achieve a degree of success that is superior to theirs. So you see someone else, you know, got the promotion, you didn't get the promotion. Someone else went on that vacation. You didn't go on that vacation. Someone else won a lottery. Someone else won a prize, and you didn't. So it's like it's not it's not that you it eats you up, but it dampens your mood. A person in this category will feel this way unless the more successful fellow is one of his closest friends, and then you're happy for them. And certainly he will feel this way if that fellow is one of those of whom he is not very fond. And certainly if he's a foreigner from another land. You will observe that their mouths may utter words as though they are happy or grateful for their fellow success. However, inwardly, their heart feels resentful. Oh, that's so nice. That's one of the things we're going to talk about. It's called chanufa. Chanufa in English means flattery. Chanufa means flattery. What is flattery? Now, we know as flattery is just like saying nice things to someone when you don't mean it, which our sages tell us the real essence of flattery, and we'll get to it in our, bad tra- in our negative traits segments. Flattery means one by mouth and one by heart, meaning you don't really feel it. You'll tell them, yeah, that, oh, I'm so happy for you. And after like, you know, you turn around and you say, oh, I hope they lose their fortune or I hope they, you know, I wish I won or whatever it is means you don't really feel truthful about what you're saying. You're saying something that you do not feel. It's not honest. And that is something we have to be very, very careful about. So he says that's the result of someone feeling negatively about their fellow that did have a great fortune. This is something that generally occurs to most people. For although most people are not the utterly envious type, nevertheless, they have not purged themselves of it completely. Surely, and this the Talmud tells us, right? Surely one in this category will, will experience envy if someone who shares his occupation and is therefore a rival succeeds at their occupation, 
for the truth is that every professional resents his fellow professional. The reality is, go tell me, you, you ever go to a uh, a lawyer, but you go to a lawyer and you say, you know, I, I'm thinking about, you know, securing your services for my case. And you ask, well, who else are you considering? And they say, well, I was considering Joe Schmo and, you know, the other guy. And like, you want to lose money? Like, you know, it's like you find something negative to say about the other guy. It's very rare that you'll find someone who's of the character who can say, you know what? He's actually fantastic. He'll do much better than I can. Right? It's not, it's not common. Right? Someone comes into the furniture store and you say, look, my competitor's down the block. Why don't you try them? It's not likely that that will happen. Why? The Gemara already says it's established that competitors don't like each other. It's already established. We'll see that there's a way to work on it. And he will certainly be envious if his competitor succeeds in his craft more than he. So if someone is more successful than you in your own craft, you're not going to be so kind to them. The bottom line is that envy results from ignorance. Listen to this. Very, very important. This is what it all boils down to. However, if these people would only know and comprehend, listen to very carefully to these words. That a person does not encroach on that which has been prepared for his fellow even by a hair's breadth. This is the Talmud in Yoma 38b says, and anything that belongs to anyone is from Hashem. According to Hashem's wondrous plans and Hashem's unfathomable wisdom. They would recognize, if they realize this, that everything is from Hashem. You cannot take your friend's success from them. You can't own a thing that wasn't predestined by the Almighty for you. So if Hashem had predestined that this should be for you, you would have received it. But he didn't. He decided it will be for her. So now what happens? I should have gotten it. If we realize that everything is from Hashem, and if Hashem wanted me to have it, I would have it. So what does jealousy mean? Jealousy means I don't believe in God's plan. Jealousy means that I think I understand this world better than God does. Because if it were my world, I would have that. But God, creator of heaven and earth, decided that it wasn't the right time perhaps. It wasn't the right place. It wasn't the right thing for you. They would immediately recognize that they have no reason to agonize at all over the good fortune of their fellows. Your friend has good? Be happy for them. You know why? It's not taken away from your good. Not even one iota. I shared this story previously, and I want to share it again. There was a man who had a bakery in Me'asharim, in Jerusalem. It was a famous bakery. Everybody knew this bakery. It was a very successful bakery. And one day, one of his employees decided that it would be a better idea for him to open up a bakery across the street than to work for this guy. He was a good, he was a good employer, but he'll make more money. He has all the recipes now. He knows just what to do. See, he opens up a bakery right across the street. And one day, the family of the first bakery sees the owner talking to this young worker who used to work for him that now opened up the competition right across the street. And his hand is over his shoulder, and he's having a conversation with him. So the family asked the father, 
when he got back home, like we saw you talking to him, what were you telling him? So I was giving him advice and where to get the best quality flour from, how to get it for cheaper pricing, and giving him some advice about you know how he can run his business more successfully. The family was flattered. They're like, what? What do you? What do you mean you're 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 helping your competitor? So he says to them, I don't understand. Every Rosh Hashanah, it is predestined. It is declared by the Almighty exactly how much money a person will make. That year, you won't make a penny more or a penny less than God tells you. God declares what God's judgment is that you will earn that year. He says, you think that him opening up a store across the street from me is going to take away from me one ounce, one penny? Not a single penny. That's someone who understands that everything is from Hashem. But how many of us are having that challenge where it's like, no, he, he, he's, ta- he's taking it away from me. He's taking away my, I have to support my family. I have a wife and children. And we try to justify it in every way possible. But there's a world that is greater than the world that we see, and that is the world of godliness. Where when we recognize that the Almighty is there and He controls everything, we have nothing to fear. God opens His hand and gives to every person what exactly they need. Oh, but I'm going to give to somebody else? It's not going to take away from you. It's God we're talking about. God doesn't have limited resources. God has unlimited, infinite amount of resources. You know what they say. If you have a good cause and you believe in Hashem, we'll take care of it. The wealthiest being ever is God. He has no limit in resources. He'll get you the money you need so that you can continue to succeed. Just do the right thing. And the most important thing is never to look at other people at what they have because it's never going to fulfill you by looking at what other people have. I remember my brother and sister-in-law, when they got married, they got a whole bunch of silver gifts, you know, silver candelabra and, uh, you know, all of these other things. And one day I noticed that it was no longer in the break front. They had some glassware there, some dishes, but they didn't have their silver stuff there anymore. I asked them, what's going on? What happened to it? They said, we're having other couples over for Shabbos, and we don't want them to be jealous. And that's also a very high level of sensitivity and responsibility. Because someone can simply say, what do you mean? It's mine, and don't be jealous. That's also responsibility, a sensitivity to have to other people. that We don't need to be flashy in front of them. It's my house. Still, you're having people over. You don't need to put everything out in the front for everyone to see all of the, it's okay, it should be, you know, it doesn't need to poke out other people's eyes. The Ramchal here continues that he says, and this it was a very short paragraph where he tells us the entire solution for, for jealousy. The entire solution is know that everything is from Hashem. And not one hero's breath will be taken from what is predestined to you by someone else. Not one. Everything that you're supposed to attain Everything that you're supposed to have is exactly what you're going to get. And nobody can take away a thing from it. If it was declared by the Almighty that you will get that coat, you'll get that coat. And if it wasn't declared, being jealous is only going to eat you up. Okay? Very, very important. But the Ramchal tells us that this is just a temporary problem. Because in the times of Mashiach, envy will vanish. And right now, we pray every day that we're in the time of of Mashiach, in the time of the Messiah, 
We pray that we're in that time and that Mashiach will reveal himself today. Anima Amin, I believe that Mashiach will come today. I will wait for him every day. And this is what the prophet Isaiah notified us about the era, the future era of Mashiach, which we believe is in our days. This was written a couple hundred years ago. Today we're in that, no question, we're in the era of Mashiach. That in order that the good of Israel should be complete, for Israel to derive the maximum pleasure from Hashem's gift, Hashem will precede before bestowing that goodness, God will remove from our hearts this unseemly character trait. And then no one will agonize over the good fortune of another. Moreover, one who is successful will have no need to conceal himself and his affairs because of the envy of others. So here's just a little hint that it's the proper thing. It is the proper thing for someone who is successful, someone who did get that gift. Don't flash it around. Don't put it in front of the, their face. You got a brand new bicycle. I tell my children all the time, you get something new, something special. Don't flash it around in front of the other kids. Please don't. Maybe they didn't get such a great Hanukkah gift. Maybe they aren't fortunate enough to go to Disneyland. And my, my children don't go to the, We've never gone to Disneyland. But I'm just saying that idea that people post everything on Facebook, that people post everything, and people are blogging and putting it on Instagram, on TikTok, and all of their things. Maybe someone else can't afford to eat in such a fancy restaurant. Maybe someone can't afford such a great vacation. Be sensitive not to make other people jealous. And Ramchal tells us here from Isaiah that the time will come where people, where God will remove this sensitive jealousy from our hearts. God will remove it and then we won't need to hide it anymore. But we hear from this that now we probably should. We shouldn't be flaunting all of our wares, all of our expensive jewelry. Oh, I'm going to wear it and everyone's going to be... It's no, there's no need for it. On the other hand, is also we have to be very cautious. We have to be very cautious not to be jealous of what other people have. But in the time of Mashiach, that will be removed. And this is what's written in Isaiah the jealousy of Ephraim will cease and the oppressors of Yehuda shall be cut off. Ephraim lo yikanes Yehuda. Ephraim will not be jealous of Yehuda and Yehuda will not harass Ephraim. Yehuda, who has kingship, and everyone will be jealous of Yehuda. Commentary say over here. Earlier in that passage, Isaiah writes, The world will be filled with knowledge of Hashem. Umola oreds deas Hashem. Like water covering the seabed. As Ramchal has explained, the antidote to envy is the realization that everything bestowed upon anyone is determined by Hashem's wondrous plan and unscrutable Wisdom. Thus, once the world is filled with knowledge of Hashem, envy will surely disappear. That means if we're able to up our knowledge of Hashem, if we're able to up our emunah, we're able to increase the level of our emunah, take it to the next level, at that point we will realize, why am I jealous of them? If Hashem wants it, I will have it. If Hashem doesn't want it, it's all in Hashem's hands. And the minute someone realizes that everything is in his hands, that is the ultimate level a person can attain. And a person should aspire to attain. We realize everything is in Hashem's hands. 
the greatest level a person can have is the closeness to Hashem. Because when we have closeness to Hashem, right, the, the wealthiest person is one who's close to Hashem. The greatest state of a person is their closeness to Hashem. If you're, interestingly, if you look at any of the traits we previously discussed, anger. What is anger? Anger is not realizing that this person who's challenging you is really everything that happens to you is from Hashem. What did we say was the the trait of arrogance? Realizing that everything is from Hashem. What, What pride can you take for something that isn't yours? And we spoke about stubbornness as well. These all come from the same root. When we have this weakness in our connection to Hashem, all of these bad traits are able to attack us. And the core of everything is connecting to Hashem on the highest level possible. The more we invest in our relationship with Hashem, which, by the way, doesn't only mean praying three times a day. Because there are plenty of people who can walk into synagogue and pray and have their their sitter open and they're shaking and they're closing their eyes. Do you realize that you're talking to God? Do you realize that God is standing right there in front of you listening to your every word? Something very interesting, an interesting story. There was a guy who was praying in the Panavid Yeshiva. And this guy would pray a very, very long prayer. I mean, he would be standing there way after everybody left. Everybody was done praying. He would still be davening the Amidah. He would be praying and praying and praying. So one day, he was the only guy standing except for one of the rabbis, the head rabbi of the yeshiva, Reb Levenstein. And as Reb was walking out of the out of the shul, out of the sanctuary, he sees this guy davening and davening and davening. See, he walks over to him, and this was people saw this. He walked over to him and whispered something in his ear and left. In the middle of his praying, you walk over to someone and tell him something in his ear. Right? He was like, "What?" So all the students asked the 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 student after. What did the rabbi say? What did the rabbi say? He said, don't forget, you're talking to God. Sometimes we get so worked up in the words and we want to say it like this and say it like that and have all of the proper kavanak, all of the proper intentions, all of the proper focus, and we forget we're actually talking to God. It's a very simple conversation that one needs to have with God. Now, our sages constructed prayer in a specific method so that it can convey all of the connections between us and the Almighty, using all of the spheres of the universe and all all of the powers and all of the Kabbalistic notes that need to be touched. It's just like, can't someone just play the melody of 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 a classical hymn? Why do we need to have a whole orchestra with so many violins and so many uh, harps and, and you know this and that? We have so many instruments. Can't someone just play it simply on a piano? What would we say? Of course you can. But it's not going to be the same richness. It's not going to be the same flavor of the music. When you have all of those, all of those incredible instruments playing in perfect unison. That's what our prayers are. The prayers that were constructed by our sages, the men of the great assembly, are the prayers are like a symphony. It touches all the strings. It touches all the notes that need to be touched. That's true. We can just say the words, Hashem, please help me. But there's a finer way to do it. And that's why we have prayers from a prayer book where we read the words and the words jump out at us sometimes if we're able to feel it and connect to it. It's an unbelievable power that we have. And we should maximize that power. When you're in the moment and you're able to connect in prayer, don't stop. Oh, I got to rush to the work. 
It's more important to talk to God. Because when we do, we uplift our emuna. And when we uplift our emuna, we're not jealous. We're not angry. We're not arrogant. We're not stubborn. Because we realize that everything is from Hashem. And including your next deal. Yeah, your next business deal, you're not going to be able to close without God. We need God on our side. And that's why we work and invest so much in our relationship with God. A person who lives life without that connection with the Almighty is has a vacancy. It's a vacancy. And it's open to anything. Such a person can get angry. Such a person can get mad. Such a person can get jealous. Such a person can be aggressive. Such a person can be arrogant. Because they took God out. And we're going to see, we're going to talk about more traits soon. And those traits are going to hopefully clarify to us in other ways how this emuna, how this knowledge of Hashem. Again, we, we stay away from the word of faith in God. We don't have faith in God. Faith means it's like it's a Christian concept of we take a leap of faith. In Judaism, we don't take a leap of faith. In Judaism, we have firm knowledge of God. I'm not talking down about anybody. I'm just saying that in Judaism, the emphasis in the Torah is You have to know that there's a God. How do you know? Look at his world. Look at his creation. Look how perfect the world is. We don't take a leap of faith. We have knowledge of Hashem's existence. We have knowledge that when we talk to Hashem, He listens. He hears our words, our prayers. And the more we invest in that, the more close we'll feel and the more we will perfect all of these traits. And we won't need to be jealous of anyone because we know my success comes from God. And by me giving over my recipes to anybody, it's not going to take one iota away from me. And by me giving my competitor advice, not going to take away one iota from me. The more we're able to internalize the idea of God controls every aspect of the world, there's not a single person who can succeed in any area of life without Hashem's help. What if God gives me a gift that I can't handle? Well, guess what? God doesn't give a gift or a challenge that you can't handle. Again, nobody will get something, no one will get any challenge that God doesn't determine is something that they can handle. Every person is given the exact challenge by the Almighty that they can handle. If God gave you that challenge, you can handle it. If you can't handle it, God won't give you the challenge. And if you look back at your life, and you see every major challenge that you had, you see like, yeah, I grew from that experience. It made me into a better person. It, it elevated me. I thought I was, my back was at the wall and I, I could not move forward. And I found new strength to succeed. So Ramchal here finishes off this little segment. He says that Ephraim will not be jealous of Yehuda and Yehuda will not harass Ephraim. This is akin to the peace and tranquility of the ministering angels up in the heavens. Who are all happy in their service of Hashem. Each one at his own station. What does that mean? There's no jealousy between the angels. Every angel is happy with what he has. Every angel. And that's the level that we will attain. At the moment Mashiach comes, what's going to happen? The whole world is going to be filled with the knowledge of God and then everyone will realize, oh my goodness, why was I jealous of them? Hashem gave me exactly what I needed. Exactly what I deserved. Everything will be clear for us in front of our eyes and we won't have any doubts. 
ואין אחד מסקנה בחברו כלל. And one is not at all going to be envious of their fellow. כי כולם יודעים האמס לאמיתו, for they all comprehend the ultimate truth. ועלייזים על הטוב אשר ביודם, and they are ecstatic about the good fortune that they possess. וסמכים בחלקם, and content with their lot. What does the Mishnah tell us? Ezehu Ashir, you want to know who the wealthiest man alive is? The wealthiest man alive is not Jeff Bezos. And it's not Elon Musk. It's the man or woman who is happy with their lot. If you're jealous of your neighbor, you're not happy. If you look inside, close your windows looking out. Don't look at what your neighbor has. Don't... Be jealous of what they have. Look inside. Look at what you do have. That's someone who's happy. I believe our generation right now is suffering needlessly because we're shearing so much out to the world and it makes other people jealous and it hurts other people. And I think we have to teach our children You got a gift? Your grandparents came to visit you? You got a gift? Don't show it off to your friends. Maybe they don't have grandparents who bring them gifts. Every person needs to take that responsibility for themselves. Don't poke out your neighbor's eyes. Don't poke out your classmates' eyes. And it happens more when children are younger. They come to school with their new gadgets, with their new toys. creates jealousy. We have to teach our children to be sensitive. Don't flaunt it. No one needs to know that your whole family is going on that vacation. They're going on the cruise. So that the other kids be jealous. The kids who can't afford it are going to go home. They're going to tell their parents. I want to go on a cruise just like they did. We want that responsibility. And of course, they should teach their children not to be jealous as well. But we shouldn't poke them in their eyes. I want to leave off with one story that I've shared before, but I think is so important for us to remember this. When my brother was almost bar mitzvah, I believe at that point my father was doing very well in his business. Hashem blessed him. And they had gone to, you know, at that age, you go to many bar mitzvahs, all your friends' bar mitzvahs. And they went to a bar mitzvah, my father and my brother. And when they were walking out, my brother, like, <laughs> he gave one of those, like, smirks to my father. He's like, my bar mitzvah is going to be nicer than that one, right? That was like a pretty simple bar mitzvah. So my father said, no, your bar mitzvah will be just about the same. But you can afford a nice bar mitzvah. And my father said to him, I can afford perhaps a nicer bar mitzvah. But could all your classmates' fathers afford a nice bar mitzvah? He says, I will give you an, a bar mitzvah that no one will walk away from saying, Ooh, I have to have a bar mitzvah like that. It'll be nice. It'll be respectful. But I don't want anyone, any one of those children going home telling their parents, I want a bar mitzvah like Wolbehead. Because what's going to happen? They're going to go and they're going to tell their parents and their parents are going to say, ooh, I have to find out what they had. I have to, I have to match them. It's my son, you're only bar mitzvah once. You only have one bar mitzvah, right? I can't let my son down. And then what? He'll have to cheat. He'll have to borrow money he can't pay back. He'll have to steal. He'll have to do things just so that he can please his son. That is so dangerous. My father said, I don't want that responsibility. I don't want that responsibility of, God forbid, someone else doing something that they can't afford 
because they need to live up to a different standard. It is such a great responsibility. There's a good type of jealousy and that we should be envious of people's good deeds. We should be envious not that they give money and have their plaque on the wall. We should be envious that they have the privilege to be people who give charity. I want to give charity. Hashem, please succeed my way so that I can be kind like so-and-so, giving like so-and-so. That's a good kind of jealousy. But to to be jealous of someone else's status, to be jealous of someone else's fame, to be jealous of someone else's possessions, those are futile, and those rot our bones. Meaning, what's the bones? The bones is the core, the core of our essence, of our physical essence. Jealousy destroys our core of who we are. It removes peace from our lives. It's so devastatingly damaging. Hashem should bless us. We should always recognize that everything we have is from Hashem. And exactly what Hashem prescribes for us is what we have. And we should recognize that daily. Thank Hashem. Hashem, thank you for giving me exactly what I need. Our sages tell us, the Talmud says, that anybody who says Ashrei, which has that verse in it, which is chapter 145 of Psalms, it's not a long chapter, it's a beautiful chapter of Psalms, 145. Anyone who says that twice a day, and we say that in the morning twice, we actually say it before Mincha as well, is guaranteed a portion in the world to come. Ruben Olamaba. He's guaranteed. Why? What's so great about this, this chapter of Psalms that gives you a portion of the world to come? Our sages say it's that verse. The God, when you're able to say twice a day, Hashem, I realize that everything I have is only from you. It's what you have predestined for me. It's what you have decided is exactly what I need. Exactly what you desire, exactly what you need. When we realize that, we're guaranteed a place in the world to come. Because that means that our relationship with God is solid. We should always have that relationship with Hashem fluid. It should be clear, crystal clear. And it should be vibrant every day of our lives. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcast.com.